hey, you're listening to Chew on That, and here's what we're chewing on today. Uh, There's a guy in the scriptures, his name is Paul. We just did a really long series on him. And Paul, he was a great coach. He was great at the strategy. He started churches all over the world. Then he coached the leaders, his spiritual sons and daughters to help them stand on his shoulders and realize their spiritual dreams. And he did that by writing these beautiful letters. And in one of these letters in particular, he writes like a coach and I love it. And the thing that he's coaching them on is the topic I want to talk about today in a message we're calling, I'm Generous. Hey, hi, welcome to Chew On That. My name is Scott Eastman. I'm the downtown pastor for Life Church in Green Bay. And you're joining us for a podcast, Chew On That, where we talk about, uh, dig deeper into, ask questions about, pull apart, put back together the most recent sermon uh, in the most current sermon series happening at Life Church in Green Bay. In that case, it's the the Bright Side sermon series. And today we'll be talking about a sermon uh, that Sean Hennessy uh, taught called I'm Generous. Today, my guest is my good friend, Jordan Ogren. Am I saying that right? I don't even know if I've ever said your name out loud in front of your face. Yeah, that's correct. Jordan, o- Jordan Ogren. Yep. Usually it's Ogren, but oh. you nailed it. Did I? Nice. Yeah, Long O. o. Yep. Yeah. I feel like that's Swedish or something. I think so. Or maybe... Yeah. Yeah, we're going to go with that. Maybe. Anyway, not everyone knows you as well as I do, Jordan. Maybe tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm 25. I love cats. And I moved here from Escanaba, so I'm kind of born a youper. Yeah. And I started coming to Life Church probably like two, almost two years ago. And then right when Life Church downtown started, I uh, really just spoke to my heart, the conversational piece kind of going deeper. So ever since it started, I think in the summer, um, yep. I've been going. That's nice. I love that. I've been enjoying it a lot. So you you come from a big family in the UP? Uh, I mean, not too big. I mean, there's some huge families that I grew up with, but kind of everybody lived in Escanaba area. So gotcha. I guess it was all together, but gotcha. not big. Did you did you go to church when you were growing up? Yep, I went to an Assembly of God church. I'm not sure if that actually means anything, but it was just an Assembly of God uh, cool. church. And so now you're down here and you're going to school. Mm-hmm. At UW Green Bay. Yep. Studying business and marketing. Uh, business administration, but yeah, with an emphasis in marketing. But gotcha. And but then you also work. Yep. At StopTheVanilla.com. Yep. And we don't sell ice cream, but yes. No. And then you're recently engaged mm-hmm. to the beautiful Katie Stevenson. Yes, I'm a lucky man. Yes, you sure are. That's awesome. Okay, um, let's see. Well, I mean, uh, let's just jump in. We'll uh, we'll play the Sean's first soundbite, and we'll talk about that. You know, the definition of the word coach is something that carries something of value from where it is to where it needs to be. As a dad, I feel like my biggest job is to coach my kids, to carry them from where they are to where they need to be. So I coach them on how they should think and act and speak. But most of all, I'm trying to teach them how to live like Jesus. Now, I've never heard of that definition of a coach, a person that carries something from one place to another or gets something to where it needs to go. And so, like, I, I was really fascinated uh, by that. I think that he preceded that because he's always doing that, right, where he, like, breaks down words and gives us the original word and what it said in Greek or Latin or whatever. And so I'm pretty sure he did that with coach. But I feel like, you know, your personality, Jordan, is one where, like, you're either coaching or being coached. I feel like that coaching is, like, a big part of, like, how you operate. Is that fair? Yeah, I think development, which is definitely 
going from a place usually undeveloped to developed in something. Yeah. Cause I feel like whether, whether it's business, whether it's communication, whether it's life, I feel like, like you, you have a, you have a passion to, to, well, I guess to develop, right? Like, I feel like you're always trying to figure out how, how much bigger can I get in this area? And so I feel like that's kind of a current trend in our world where I feel like, you know, my whole life, uh, growing up, like there was never, we didn't have life coaches. Like that wasn't a thing. A coach was a guy that coached football or basketball. He wore shorts that were too high <laughs> and then had a whistle on a rope around his neck. That was a coach. It definitely wasn't someone that like you would check in with. And so can you talk a little bit about like that sort of culture, like that sort of, that sort of way? Like, why do you suppose that's a thing now where maybe it never was before? Hmm. I mean, definitely just on like the Maslow hierarchy of needs, I think we're in a different place from like my age. Kids have been not, you know, we don't have war as much. Like we don't have these things to like survival. Is not like something we're thinking about? So it's kind of that next step of self-actualization. Like how can I maximize my potentials? I definitely think there's a culture of like false, like making it, you know, on Facebook and Instagram that I'm doing all this stuff and people that actually maybe look at it from like a point of, I want to develop myself just to be a better person and whether people notice like on social media or whatever, I think there's definitely two sides of that coin where I run into a lot of people that want to put it out there. Like, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm getting coached or I'm a 24 year old life coach, which is hard to do because obviously I'm 25 and I haven't lived much life. So I think we definitely, there's definitely like good of that. And there's definitely like I see, and I was part of for a while, kind of like the bad side where it's just for the looks in a sense. So when we translate that into faith communities like like LC downtown, we talk about like I feel like like when it comes to church, I feel like people always looked at the person that was at the pulpit like they had had it all figured out that they were some kind of guru, right? That they had, you know they'd gotten to the mountaintop and now they were gonna you know tell everyone what you know, the keys were or what the secret was or what the, and I feel like we revered people and pastors at pulpits thinking that they had all the answers that God had somehow spilled it out on them. But that when we talk about Elsie downtown, that that's not the, that's not the way at all. That, that the way in fact is that, that we're all sort of there together. Um, and that, and that all you need to be is 25 to help someone who's 24. Figuratively speaking, that mm-hmm. if, if you're even just one step ahead of somebody, that's enough to reach back and offer a hand, you know, to help get them to where you are. You know what I mean? And I really feel like that's like faith should work that way, that we shouldn't there should be one guy that knows or one girl that knows everything and that we all just kind of sit under them and in, 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 you know, some kind of Hellenistic sort of way. But in fact, that we should be traveling together. I think there's like a old African proverb that says that, right? That, that if you want to get somewhere fast, go by yourself. If you, oh, I don't know the second half. Want to go far. If you want to go far, go together. Yeah. I love that. I love that idea of like, and and what it means to be a coach, because I feel like we're all coaches to the people around us. Sean talks about being a coach to his kids, but we're coaches to our friends. We're coaches to our spouses, you know, we're coaches to our coworkers, you know, uh, my wife, Kate, uh, is a marketing person as well, um, here in town at a, at a big, uh, equipment manufacturer. And, um, she was, she's going to this rough time where 
in marketing, there's a particular salesperson that, that wants her to like solve his problems. And she feels that this is problematic for her on two levels. One, she can't like individually serve each individual salesperson because then she wouldn't have time to serve the company. Mm -hmm. And then furthermore, like he's asking her to like solve like technical issues and stuff like that. And so I found myself this morning coaching my wife and I, if you know me or if you know my wife, you know that that's not really the roles there. Like I'm, you know, because like, I'm uh, like, I'm a screw up. Like I feel like I've screwed up a lot in my life. And so like, I don't feel like I'm really in a position to coach anyone, but I just, you know, I was telling her like, you know, what you should do is because there's a person at their corporate office in St. Louis that would have the answers for this guy. And I said, maybe you can introduce him to that person. She said, well, I don't even know that person. I said, but what this guy needs is he needs to feel like he's been heard and that he's been helped. And even if you can't help him, maybe if you just call that lady and say, hey, I know we've never met. I'm Kate from up here in Green Bay. I got the salesman that wants to do this thing. I know that this is what you do. Is it okay if I give you his number so he can call you? Here's the interactions that we've had. So like five minutes on the phone. But I feel like that guy then would feel like he's been heard. Right. He's, you know, rather than just being felt like he's been passed off anyway, that part of the story is not really why I'm telling you that. But the part about coaching, like we've always got coaching opportunities. Mm -hmm. If we could just care enough to say, here's what I would do, because sometimes, you know, we do like put off people like when people just need to be heard or people just need to be like, you know, to be able to express their anxieties or their, the problems that they're going through, I think that we should be paying attention to that. And that's one of the greatest ways to coach is just to be present for them and say, this is how I would do it. I'm not going to be offended if you don't do this, but this is what I would do in case that sheds any kind of light on what you're doing. Anyway, and I feel like that's just kind of the way that you operate all the time, right? But I also like how you don't operate in this in the sense that you know all the answers. Like, mm -hmm. I feel like you have confidence but not arrogance. And I feel like those things can sometimes when you're talking about coaching can ride in conflict with one another. That, that if you're arrogant about being a coach, then that you always feel like your way is the only way or your way is, you know, any other way is dumb. And so that kind of arrogance, I don't feel like has a place in coaching, but if you, you know, can be confident, but teachable, what a great coach that is. Let the other richer churches do it. But they begged us. They pleaded, now nah, let us do it. And Paul was telling the Corinthians about this to show them what the heart of generosity looks like. Look at what's next. They exceeded our expectations. And I love this. They gave themselves. In other words, they weren't just writing checks, putting money in an offering bucket or giving on an app. They went beyond that. They gave themselves. Let me be clear. Generosity isn't just about giving money. Generosity is a lifestyle. I love that. I love the idea of generosity being a lifestyle. And we were, uh, we were talking about that uh, just last night um, at church. And, and we were talking about how if we live in such a way that we acknowledge that anything we have is a gift from God, then it's easy for us to give those gifts away. Like whenever you get you know, if you just came into a hundred bucks, right? And then someone asks you, hey, do you have 10 bucks? Yeah, I do actually have 10 bucks because I just got a hundred, right? So I'm going to give you 10 bucks. I still got 90 bucks that I didn't have a second ago because I just found it in my pants pocket or whatever, right? And I feel like that's how we should live our life all the time. Like where we 
just to have a fresh pocket of a hundred dollar bills. Because if we truly believe that again, that we're everything we have is a blessing from God, then it's not ours to play with in the first place. And we, yes, we all work and yes, we all, you know, I mean, we put in the hours, right. But we, if we look at it as being lucky to have that job or lucky to have that opportunity or lucky to have that hundred bucks or that's 24 hours or that, you know, ability to, you know, do whatever you can do, then, you know, it should be something that we give away. This idea of generosity being a lifestyle, I think, is so, so cool. Yeah. I mean, I definitely agree with that. And I think it's um, something that I think a lot about is like for me, not having income, a ton of it being like a college student, <laughs> it's much easier to like agree and shake the head on that. And like, yeah, my time. But I definitely think like what you're getting at is that we can get to a point sometimes where it's like, no, I got the MBA and this is all my money where. I think even just like COVID is a prime example of like just having a job is definitely something from God. So it's like everything we have. And I think that's a definitely like a frame of mind in a sense, like of viewing everything of every minute, every kind of second is this is something granted to me. It's that hundred dollar bill I just got. And it's not a hundred dollar bill I created in my you know workshop. So it's mine and I, it feels uh, different to give away rather than this was given to me. So I should probably even just give 30, $40 because I didn't have anything to begin with. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's, a, that's that kind of like maybe like Paul mindset of just like I was nothing before this and now all I am is because of you. And I love what he said about how it's, it, and it's, it should be more than just like writing a check or, you know, swiping an app that to give of yourself, like sometimes there's even more value. And when you give of yourself, not just write a check, I mean, sometimes writing a check is the only thing you can do or the only thing that's needed. But like I had mentioned to a group of friends that I was in a jam because I bought a bench to do this project, but then the bench broke and that, you know, now I'm, you know, I'm in trouble, right? And this guy just approached me and said, hey, how about if I just fix the bench for you? You know, can you just send me some pictures and the dimensions of what you need and I'll just fix it? And I loved that. That that guy just was like, I've got this ability. I've got this knowledge. And yes, I mean, could I have fixed the bench? Probably. Would it have looked good? Probably not, <laughs> right? Like, I, I mean, I don't know anything about fixing a bench, but like he does and he loves it and he loved giving of himself. And so- that was just like, I love that. And there's all sorts of things that we all can do to be a person that lives generously, not just again, you know, to Salvation Army kettles or, you know, offering plates or know, homeless people. Like, and all those things are important. I'm not dismissing them, but sometimes people just need you to give of yourself so that they see the sacrifice that you're making or feel the sacrifice that you're making. That's the kind of love that, I don't know, words just don't match up. Like mm. when you just like, Oh my gosh, that person's actually doing this for me. Like that's, that's a way to make people feel loved. And I feel like that's a big part of our commission from God. Like, you know, certainly, you know, go into the nations and make disciples of all men. But even before that, he says, love your neighbor as yourself, love and serve them, put their needs on par with yours, put their needs maybe even in front of yours. And that kind of generosity, that's super appealing to me. Like it's super attractive to me. Like I want to surround myself with people that do that, that live that way. Cause I'm encouraged by that. Yeah, I definitely think like, I don't know if you're an Enneagram too, but as a Enneagram two, the helper, I think it does come more naturally to some people to give of themselves. And even sometimes to a point where we may not even understand that we're using it as a manipulative force of like, now I'm like, I've helped you, you owe me something yeah. where I know some types or some people just, it may not come naturally for them. They may be less kind of social. So it's sometimes hard to step up and say, yeah, I'll, I'll just do your, I'll fix a bench for you. 
So I do think like having that self-awareness of like, do I need to kind of actually pull back sometimes? Because I know for me personally, I'll actually overgive sometimes. Just yes, yes. Oh, I can help you there. I can help you there. Instead of realizing actually to give the most to the people closest to me or whatever, I do have to say no more. But my natural inclination is to say yes, where some people's natural kind of wiring a lot makes them not say yes. So they need to kind of change. I don't think there's like a formula of AX plus B equals yeah, Y. Yeah for it. I think it's understanding yourself and like, is giving something very simple for you or does it come natural? Um, and then how do you, you know, put things in place to get you there to make it your identity? Cause I think when we view it as I'm a giver, I'm not someone who gives because as I, I'm a giver, I will do things differently than, Oh, I'm someone who gives. I just can't give this week rather than know who I am. My identity is I'm a giver. Yeah. I give myself to others. That's good. But when Jesus came, he didn't abolish the law. Like he didn't get rid of it. He, he changed the motivation for it. It went from an external obligation to an internal delight. So we still do it. We just do it out of a different motivation. It goes from a have to, to a get to. I get to give. Let me show it to you in the Bible. Matthew 5, 17. Jesus said, don't think I've come to abolish the law or prophets. I haven't come to abolish them. I've come to fulfill them. Like, maybe this will sound extreme, but can I just remind you that thou shalt not commit adultery is a law too? It's Old Testament. And I, I don't stick to it because it's written on a stone tablet or because I read it in Exodus 20. I'm faithful to Pastor Sonny because I'm in love with Pastor Sonny. So likewise, I don't give because God says I have to. I give because it's an expression of my love for him. And so because of my love, I give willingly. All I can do is take a part of me and give it to him and others. Because I mean, like, and it, when I was a Catholic, I remember there was this song. Because when I was a Catholic, it was like the 70s. And so there was all these like super hippie ways that Catholics were doing music. And so there was a song that whatsoever you do to the least of my brothers, that you do unto me, which is a scripture verse. That's not the hippie part, but they sang it super hippie. <laughs> and so, but like... I can't go to God in his throne room or whatever, right? And bring him, you know, some cheese curds that I picked up on my way back from, you know, Door County because I was thinking about God. I was like, oh, I know God really likes the fresh cheese curds from Renard's when he likes them when they're squeaky, which I bet God does like, mm -hmm. by the way. Anyway, but I can't take them to him at his place, right? But what I can do is take them to him, right, through somebody else. So when God's saying, like, when you do these things, when you are good and when you are kind and when you are generous— with others, you're being generous to me. Like I'm them. I, they're the image of me. Like he says that again and again and again and again and again. Everyone is created in the image of God. And so like the, the dude, right, that you're being kind to or the chick that you're being kind to, they're God. They're the image of God. Likewise, the guy that you're shaking your head at or shaking your finger at on the highway, they're God. Or the guy that you're ignoring at the homeless shelter, they're God. Or the, you know, the lady that you're ignoring who's a widow or who's whatever. The people that we're called to be helping and we're not helping them, we're not helping God. Mm. And so, you know, this idea that we, that we feel like I'm nothing without God will say that. And so we'll say we owe everything to God, but because we don't have a God that we can just walk into his house and give him something, I don't know, we just hang on to our things. All this comes from God. It's just a blessing from God. And I'm not, again, I'm not mocking that, 
But I'm only mocking if that's where you leave it. Hmm. If you truly feel that what you have is a blessing from God and then you're not blessing others with it, if you're not a conduit of your blessing, but that you're the bottleneck of the blessing, bro, you can't be the bottleneck of the blessing. And so I feel like that's how we give back to God is by being kind and generous and loving. That kind of reminds me, there was a, nope, never mind. There was this, I just suddenly realized that Jordan's 25, but there was this lady, her name was Natalie Marchant, and she was the lead singer of 10,000 Maniacs, which was an okay band, but I really liked her solo work. And she had this really great song called Kind and Generous. And so that just reminded me of that. And I was going to sing the song with you, but then I realized you're 25 <laughs> and that you probably don't know the song. No and clear. Natalie Merchant always had this way of dancing. Like she had this dance that was like, not like, I don't know. It was like the coolest way that a chick could dance. <laughs> and you're like, oh my gosh, Natalie Marchant. Anyway. Kind of generous. It was a really good song in the 90s. You were alive in the 90s, were you? Uh, I was born in 95. Hmm. Maybe I heard my mother's womb, maybe. Maybe. I'll, I'll check it out after this. So weird. Send you a video of me dancing just like her. If you could dance like <laughs> Natalie Martin, man, send me a TikTok <laughs> oh, of that. Geez. Anyway, <laughs> you can't be the bottleneck. I just want to make sure that I got that out. Don't be a bottleneck of the blessings. You're a full-on conduit. In fact, you should be like a like a person, like, I don't know what it said, like an enlarged you know what I mean? Like we're, you know, I don't want you to be like a three quarter inch something. I want you to be like an inch and a half <laughs> something, right? Like make it bigger, like be the mm-hmm. bigger thing, be a broadcaster mm-hmm. of your blessing and not a bottleneck. That's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Write that down. <laughs> I mean, everything you said, I feel just with like every person that you walk into being God, I'm pretty sure that's backed by science and physics that everything in a sense has the same atomic structures and uh, mm-hmm. making. So I feel like it's a definitely a huge kind of when you don't view science as being in opposition to religion, but more like helpful to realize, hey, that tree that we're using for industrial purposes or for, you know, our capitalistic gains, that's God in a sense that, you know, that person that I don't like because he or she supports this candidate, that's, you know, components, literally it's God in the flesh, Christ is in them. I don't know the exact story or the exact like, um, example that I'm referring to, but I read a book and like in the beginning of the book, this woman had like kind of just an epiphany on a bus that she started seeing Christ in everybody that walked by her. And that completely changed how she lived because instead of this person being late to the meeting, it's Christ instead of the person cutting you in line. Like I think you live different when you view everything as God and everything is Christ, however you want to look at it rather than, you know, you don't throw that gum wrapper out the window because this planet is God's. We're not getting to heaven, which would be a million times better like we're also respecting the things that are on here. So I feel it's really like a lot of this comes to an identity shift that, you know, I'm someone who gives, I mean, I really like the bottleneck though, like example of just that this is all coming through me. I just came up to the mind, came to mind that story of the person who got blessed and or 10 people got blessed. Only like one came back and thank, like that really just stood out to me of like, maybe it's not going back and thanking, which we should, but like, passing that on and taking that step of like, I got blessed, so I'm going to bless you. Or even if I didn't get blessed, I'm still going to bless somebody just because that's how we kind of have that exponential uh, thing of if all Christians, if all people of Jesus are doing that, just think of the amount of people that are kind of getting touched by Jesus. Um, I think that's an amazing way to, like you said, you know, go out and evangelize and do all of that rather than putting billboards up and such that says, you know, Jesus loves you or things like that. Yeah. Which are good in their own sense. But. Right. Because I feel like if, I, if, as a dad, if I gave something to my kid, right, if I gave him, you know, a bag of candy, like a big giant bag of candy, 
right? And there's enough for him to share, right? And I said, I hope that you're going to share. You can do share or not, right? You can share or not. But like, I hope that you would share. Like, and if, if Abe just like sat up in his room and just kept that bag of candy forever, right? Just kept eating all the sweet tarts or the Tootsie Rolls or the Kit Kats, <laughs> you know, or the full size candy bars that he had in there. Like, I'm not sharing those. <laughs> Screw that. I'll give him peanut butter kisses, right? Or the boxes of raisins, right? But I'm not going to give him the full size Hershey bar. Screw that. Right. But how many of us are doing that in our lives with our walk, with our blessing? Mm. We're bottleneck of our blessing. We're just holding on to the full size candy bars and maybe giving away the box of raisins. Mm. I mean, I'm, I'm sure for you, Jordan's it's kind of a super healthy guy. So he's like, I love the raisins, Joe. <laughs> but like for most of us who are normal, the raisins were gross. So but I just feel like sometimes we do that with these blessings. Mm. So we don't have a God that we have to face. And so we're not going to face our neighbor. So I'm just going to hang out of these candies, right? I'm just going to eat them all for myself. Or if I give something, it's going to be the crap I don't like, like juji fruit or something. <laughs> like I'm like, I'm not going to, you know, I'm going to do that. And I, I find that that's so many of us in our faith do that all the time, all the time. So I just want to, this is the song I was talking about. It's actually, what's the year you say you were born? 95. 1995. So this came out wow. in 1998, I think. Okay. But I feel like you should still know this song. Like, I knew songs that were, like, <laughs> from 1965, even though I was born in 67. Mm-hmm. It's a really cool video where she's, like, a circus performer, like, in the 20s. Like, you know this song. Yeah, I think I've heard this song. She's not dancing right. Oh, no, she did do this head thing, though. Oh, Natalie Martin. Anyway, I don't know how much of this I can play and still not get sued mm-hmm. by the record label. I just want to hear her say kind in general. I think it's in the first line. <laughs> Here it comes. You felt so kind of generous. Man, that whole album is such a good album. <laughs> anyway, that's all I'm going to play, so I hope I don't get sued. Let's listen to the last bit. <laughs> Here's what happens. Anytime you give intentionally with the filter of eternity and point your giving back to Jesus, there's a promise that's activated. And the promise is you can't outgive God. And whether you do it for this reason or not, God is going to bless you right back. It's just going to happen. It's just the law of it. It's the heart behind the analogy in 2 Corinthians 9, 6. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. I mean, doesn't that just make sense? Like if you were God and you saw someone being really generous, wouldn't you just continue giving generously to them because you know they're going to give generously to others? I mean, later on in the passage, it says God supplies seed to the sower. God's, like God's got piles and piles of seed and he's looking for people to give them to. And he gives them to people who will give them away to other people. God's got piles and piles and piles of seed. So back to this analogy of me giving my son Abe a bag of candy, right? So like, let's say I like let's say I'm Wonka, man. Like I've got all the candy in the world, all the everlapping gobstoppers, and the I can't think of any other fizzy drinks. Wasn't there a fizzy drink? And then they went to the ceiling, and then they would burp in the original one. Yep. You're probably not familiar with that. I watched the original one. All right. <laughs> anyway, so, but I feel like if I were that, I, I, that's that's the dad I am. Then to Abe, and I had all the candy in the world to give him if I saw that he was just sharing with others, right? But if all that he's sharing are the raisins, right, and the juju beans, 
or Mike and Ike's. Like Mike mm. and Ike's, that's disgusting. <laughs> like I don't know anyone that likes Mike and Ike's. Or like there's hot versions of that. Is it hot tamales? Yeah. Gross. Like so gross. <laughs> anyway, or candy corn. Right. So raisins and candy corn. Nothing's grosser than candy corn. And so like if all he was giving away was that, like why would I give him more of like the big giant full-size Hershey bars? Mm. Right? So okay, well, all right. If raisins and candy corn are what you're giving away, that's just what I'm going to give you more of. And we don't think of that. Sometimes all we, you know, we, we'll be like, you know, Sean here is talking about our tithes and our offerings and what we give back to God. And so, but this is true, not just of our treasure, but also of our talent and our time. But in this instance, he's talking about our treasure, our money. And so, so many of us will be like, listen, all this is accounted for. I'll give away a little bit of this. I'll give you some raisin. I'll put a $5 into the plate because I felt like Sean was good that day, or I felt like worship was good that day. So I got something for it. Again, not giving the, just for the sake of giving, but giving because it's this give and takeness. I got something, so I feel guilty. I'll give you something. But then we put in you know, a box of sun-made raisins, and we're like, you know, I've been doing that for five years now, sun-made raisins every week. God's not blessing me. I mean, you're giving away raisins and candy corn. <laughs> what kind of blessings are you expecting to be? You're the bottleneck, bro. Mm. You know? Yeah. I mean, one thing that comes to mind, I guess, with that segment is definitely like the going too far on it and getting to that transactional God where it's the whole kind of story of Job in a sense that just because we follow, we're faithful and we do good. I don't know if at least the God framework I have in mind, I don't think that he always um, like gives back. Because no. I think then you can run into an issue like, let's say I'm someone and I've given, you know, did not the raisins, but gave the best, right? The Reese's peanut butter cups, you know, my beloved. And my husband dies of cancer or my, my mother gets sick and I'm giving the whole time. I can really get a distorted view of God if I view him and I put him in that box of transactional God, that if I do good, good comes back to me, that it's that AX plus B formula where I think God is much bigger than that box. And I think you can easily get into giving more than you're always expecting something. You know, you may put it under that category of I'm testing God, which we use those verses like he'll open the floodgates. But like in the end, you should ask yourself, at least I do, like if I get nothing in return from this giving, am I okay? And if I'm not, then I shouldn't give because I'm giving for a purpose that isn't just to give for nothing. And like, I definitely agree if I was a father and my son was doing great things, giving tons of things, I'd want to give him more. But then that puts God maybe into more of a human like field where I I think he expands past human qualities, which is hard to understand because we're humans. Um, Because when we're talking about talents, I think of that story of the three people or four that got, I don't know if it was like seeds or I think he gave, someone gave them money and he's like, go make more of it. So the person with 10 made 20, the guy with five made 10 and the guy with one just put it, you know, in the ground and was like, you're really, you know, whatever kind of person, I didn't want to lose this for you. And in a sense, he's like, he took that and gave it to the one that had a lot. And that's kind of, I think our capitalistic mold we're in that it's more and more. And I've always viewed that scripture as when we're given talents, we need to go make more of them. If I'm given 10 quote unquote talents, I should go get 20. And because that'll bring more glory to God, that'll bring more happiness to him. But recently I read, and I think every scripture, there's like a thing of, you can view it 77 different times or angles. And someone actually viewed that as saying that, 
Jesus was telling that story almost against capitalism, that that's how we view it, that everything we get, we have to make more of, more of, more of. So if I give, I should get more and more and more. We're actually, he was kind of joking at the whole model of it in that in the end, it's not about more. It's that this whole kind of premise of the message is we're doing it out of our heart that I'm giving simply to give and I'm not giving because I want the floodgates to open and I need, you know, that mortgage to be paid off in a couple of years. So I need that. Yeah. Yeah. So it definitely, yeah, it definitely can't be like, I'm going to start giving because I know that, like you said, you know, my balloon payment you know, on my stereo is coming up. And so I'm going to give because I need to be in a better place two months from now. So definitely not that, right? Definitely not that. But then I also feel like you got to be playing the game to be in the game. And so if you're not giving your time, if you're not giving your talent, if you're not giving your treasure and you're wondering where your blessings are, well, you're not in the game. So not exactly transactional, but it's also not like X squared plus B squared equals C squared. Mm -hmm. Like it's definitely not that it's X squared plus B squared equals orange. Right. And so like an orange just turns out to be fantastic and orange is exactly what you needed. So it's not always going to be like, you know, like, uh, like a, like a, an accounting sheet, right? There's not debits and credits, right? But there's somehow you're going to be blessed. Right. And it might not be exactly how you were thinking it was going to be, but it turns out to be exactly how you needed it to be. And so like I met with a guy this last week whom I love and he was just talking about how he he can't get himself to forgive God for some of the things that have happened in his life, some of the people that he's lost in his life. And he's like, I'm doing all the things he told me to do. I'm living the way he told me to live. Right. And still these things, these crappy things happen. And again, that's because we're trying to get a squared plus B squared equals C squared, which is, I think the Pythagorean theorem. Is that what that is? I think so. Anyway, (laughs) which is like a trial, how you measure a triangle. Anyway, so, but like, that's not, that's not God's formula. Again, it's a squared plus B squared equals orange. And so we, you know, people are not going to not die in our lives and people are not going to not walk away from us just because we're living life according to God. Like that was never his promise. Right. But that he wants us to live in such a way that if, you know, X leaves our lives or X dies, that we need to be living in such a way that that doesn't destroy us. That's his hope for us. I also was thinking today, in fact, I made it a Facebook post that the more I think about it, the more my quote whole life is like nothing. It is nothing. My whole life is nothing. So for me to say, when I was a kid, there was rah, 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 you know, those 50 years, that's nothing. It's absolutely nothing in the, in the context of world history or the eternal kingdom of God. It's nothing. And so sometimes when I think about like how I'm mad that, you know, this one thing happened, like where I lost my dad, let's just say, you know? And so I'm like, why would that can't even believe why does it have to right? But then what if that incident, we've talked about this a lot. I feel like where I feel like God's plan or God's, scheme. Nope. God's way is like one of those like kid toys. And like from Fisher Price, it was like a bunch of different cogs. They're all different colors, all different sizes. And you could turn a crank down over here, which would turn this cog, which would turn that cog, which would turn this cog, which would turn this cog. And then a bell would go off. Right. 
but you needed all the cogs in place for the bell. They couldn't just turn the crank and the bell would go. They're all connected by the cogs. And so sometimes we feel like we're getting spun up, right? God's spinning our crank, right? And we're wondering what good is possible. Maybe we don't know that four cogs over a bell's ringing, mm-hmm. right? And that's just what someone needed. That in the grand scheme of the eternal kingdom of God, my 80 years, hopefully, you know, is like, you know, it's nothing, Right. But like there's some good that I did or some good that I was a part of that's going to turn a cog and ring a bell somewhere for somebody else. Mm. I don't know. I guess I just feel like I need to be fulfilled in that and not think that everything is about me, that me losing my dad. Like, I can't believe that. As though all of world history and all of the kingdom of God has to do with me losing my dad. When really that's just a really small cog in the thing. It's just the smallest thing. It's not even that big of a thing to me that the eternity of my life, like the forever with God, that's forever. 80 years is nothing compared to forever. Like literally nothing compared to forever. It's only like one, whatever this side of nothing is, that's what 80 years is compared to eternity. And so why would I think that this one month or this one year where I was destroyed by my dad dying, why would I think that that in the grand scheme of things You know, not that I can't hurt or have pain or grieve or whatever, but like, why not take that opportunity to grow closer to God in that, find more of him in that? You know what I mean? Yeah. I think one of the things I struggle with, and I'm guessing probably many people who regardless religious or religion or not, is just not making it about me. Like, it's not about me. I think we live in these worlds that are all about us and we support candidates who promote things that are good for us. And we like systems and things that support us. But I think what Jesus did was he definitely tried to be very critical of the systems of the world. And I don't think you can be critical of the systems if you're focused on yourself. Mm. So that's like one of the biggest things I do is like. I really enjoy to listen to things that are not what I want to hear because it helps me focus on like hearing a story about someone who had to deal with racism. It makes me start to focus less on myself of like, Hey, the boss called me at this time and it just like ruined my dinner plans to not being like the end of the world and more or less like I actually have a job. So that's like a positive really kind of framing it because I think it's so easy to fall into the trap of everything's about me. And then we definitely fail to catch blessing, whatever God is using that thing for. And I think using like the AX plus B equals orange, I think believing that orange is always going to be good is the biggest key. It's like, I don't know what the X will be because that's just an uncontrollable kind of factor, but I know that orange will be good and I'm trusting in that. And that does whatever happens then I know in the end it'll be somewhat good. That good will happen. I mean, there's, you know, so many Christian songs about that, you know, everything, you know, everything you do is good and all these things. And it's so easy to sing with a great beat, but to really just sit back and say, everything is working for your good. That's a place that I strive to get to every day. I try to ask God in my journal, like, please get me to that point where I am. I'm just striving for everything is good, no matter what, that my life is zero. Um, I don't know if that's the best term, but I always to ask him, reduce me to zero because like when I start to have these thoughts of like, I deserve this or I deserve that because again, it's my world instead of like you said, our lives in the grand scheme of things and like the time is like a fifth of a second um, in the universe. So keeping that in perspective, I think perspective is a huge term that I try to uh, use a lot, try to re uh, get a better perspective, I'd say. Yeah, I love that. Okay, that's it. We're done.
You did a great job. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, that was fantastic. So uh, listen, if you enjoyed this podcast and think that there's someone that might benefit from hearing these words, I'd encourage you to share the podcast uh, with them. You can also subscribe to this podcast on all your favorite podcast channels, including Apple, Spotify, and Google Play. Also, if you have enjoyed this podcast or our other podcasts, including The Whole Podcast or Cheery Conversations or At Home with the Hennessy's or our sermon series on podcast, um, if those have been a benefit to you, uh, please visit Life Church Downtown. Nope. Please visit LifeChurch.com slash giving and support the podcast. It's a new thing for us. And so there's some resources that we're redirecting into this way, but could really use your support. Jordan, thanks for being here. I think you hope you can come back again because I feel like that was fun. Yes. Thank you, Scott. I always so, love talking to you. Awesome. Hooray. We'll talk to you guys next time. Thanks for joining us. Oh,